Welcome to the Indie Marketers Podcast. This is episode 16. Continuing on those terrible digits. That's probably going to wear thin pretty quick. May not do that again next week, but that's okay. Anywho, welcome back. I'm not going to say it's been a minute. It's so cliche at this point. I've been so inconsistent with this. My apologies. However, I have an absolutely wonderful guest today. Someone who I have had the opportunity to work with side by side. Someone who has hired me as a consultant multiple times. Getting in that 3MG recognition. We do good work. We can do good shit. I don't think I should be writing jingles. However, let's dive in. Forget about my rambling. L Wolf, let's go. Let's talk some fun shit. Here we go. Joining me this week is revenue marketer extraordinaire and one of the most favorite people I've ever had the opportunity to work with multiple times. L Wolf, how's it going? Uh, it's Friday. It's pretty good. It's going good. I, I love, love doing this on Friday just because everyone's like got a lot, like just kind of chill headspace working for the weekend. It, yeah. it all yeah. feels really nice. How's, yeah. uh, how's life down in Massachusetts these days? Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, it's a crisp fall day here. Sun is shining. It's quite nice. Play tennis this morning. You know, this is we're in that like uh, that like very brief window that we have here between summer and winter. Yep. Like they used to call it autumn or fall, but now it lasts about like a week. Uh, but we're, we're, we have it right now. So it's great. Uh, everything's good here. You know, my kids are at school. Big weekend. Love it. Love a Friday. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I know sure. uh, you're an extremely busy woman, so I appreciate you making the time for a little old me in this little. Ah, uh, no, and anything for you, here. anything <laughs> for, you. <laughs> for folks that for uh, I always say this for folks that don't know because I, a lot of people probably wouldn't know. Elle and I actually met back in I want to say was it 2007 or 2008. Yep, 2008 sounds right. Yep. So you had just when I joined Eloqua, you were already there. Yeah, I had been there for a couple of years before that, but we had the opportunity to start working together on the marketing team. I was in marketing ops. Uh, you were demand gen. Man. Yeah, it was, I actually came in in a product marketing role, which was really weird, but I was like, really? it was funny. Yeah, yeah, I did. Because um, actually, it's a funny story. So 2008, uh, the economy was really bad. People were getting laid off left and right. It was like a really tough, tough time to be out of work. And I got, I got laid off uh in like January it was like the very beginning of the year and I was like in a panic about it and the company that I worked at before Eloqua and this is early days of marketing automation like this is pretty oh, yeah. early days and we had gone through uh you know a, a whole purchase process we decided we were gonna replace our kind of legacy email tool with this cool new thing called marketing automation. And we ended up in a head-to-head -head deal with what was then VTrends, which I oh believe that was acquired by Silverpop, then got acquired, yeah. I think, by IBM. Uh, and Eloqua, which Eloqua at that point was like the big enterprise player. They, you know, I think they were, they, I think they at that point felt like they were the only game in town. We yeah. didn't even look at Marketo because Marketo was like so new. Yep. And, uh, and, and it was like a really cool thing to, to be a part of, not just like buying and implementing this new system, but you know, this was like, again, like, I think even the concept of like a shared sales and marketing funnel was very new, you know, everything was very sort of, uh, binary. It was like, you generate a lead and send it to a salesperson and you send all the leads to the salespeople and there's no qualifications. Like you went to an event, you like handed a spreadsheet off. Like that was really kind of the, what, what, what we were doing at that point. And so this, you know, this whole process of like going through and figuring out like what each stage would look like and where the handoffs would happen and like how things would come back or be recycled or like this was all pretty new stuff. And so I like was part of that project and I thought that was really cool. And I remember kind of thinking like, 
this is probably the way the world's going to go. Like, cause this was the first time, like as a marketer, you had like your own system of record. Like you yep. marketers before then were always like tapping into something. I was like, you're building a list in Salesforce and exporting it and loading it into exact target. And it was like this really siloed thing. And so the idea that as a marketer, you could have access to your own database and you could like build your own rules and logic and you could create your own campaigns in this one place. I thought that was really cool. And so fast forward, we go through this process and buy, we end up buying VTrends, not Eloqua, and for a whole bunch of really good reasons, to be honest with you. And uh, I get laid off and I'm desperately looking for a job and I get a call from Eloqua. And Eloqua had actually just done a small riff on yep. the marketing team. Yep. And the role, actually, it was so funny. The first call I got was for a solutions consultant role uh, working for Melissa and yep. I knew when I knew when I took the call, I was like not qualified for that job. I was like, oh, I'm not a technical enough person for this. Like this isn't. But I was like so desperate to just like wedge my way in there. And she I actually probably oh gosh, I should send her a bottle of wine or something because she said, oh, I don't think you're a fit for this role, but I actually think there's a role open in marketing. And she connected me with a gentleman by the name of James Williams, uh, Jimmy <laughs> McWilliams. And uh, and. And at that point, Eloqua had like you guys like marketing ops and there was like the central hub in Toronto, but there was also what we went on to refer as the marketing center of excellence in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And Jim worked there. We actually were hoteling. We were in like a Regis center. Uh, there was like a handful of marketers in yep. Boston. And so, you know, and Jim... All he wanted to talk to me about was why we didn't buy Eloqua. That was like how I got ended up getting my job was, you know, I talked to him and he was like looking for a product marketer. I'm not a product marketer. I had done some product marketing, but I was that was and I wasn't at that point. I wasn't a demand gen marketer either. Like I knew just enough to be dangerous. I was kind of a generalist. You know, I had a I had an English. I had studied English. I had kind of a comms background. I had done a lot of events. I had I had done some product marketing, like, you know, a lot of writing, a lot of content creation. And, and this is still pretty early in my career. And I remember I went and met up with Jim for lunch and he just grilled me on why did we lose that deal? Like, why did you select another vendor? And I actually, we, I had, we had put together this business case for our CEO. So I had a deck and a lot of it came down to like the Eloqua sales process at that point was kind of painful. Yep. And they sort of went into every deal thinking they were going to win it. And they kind of acted like that. And then the way it was priced back then, it was like in kind of modular and you had to pay extra for different things. And obviously this is prior to Eloqua replatforming and rolling out Eloqua 10, like the product was pretty hard to use. Yep. Um, and so I, I had all these good answers for why they lost that deal. And I kind of slid in the back door and I worked in product marketing at Eloqua for probably months. Like it wasn't a long time before I got the opportunity to move on to the demand gen team. And I was so hungry for knowledge and I was so hungry to be exposed to like what I thought was this new burgeoning discipline. Um, and the rest is kind of history, to be honest with you, because that was really my it was cooking for chefs. It was the first time I was exposed to that stuff. And the stakes were high because we were kind of teaching everyone how to do it. And all eyes were on Eloqua marketing like, oh, these guys must have it all figured out. Yep. I remember, you know, being kind of terrified of you, to be honest with you, because you were this super technical marketer and you knew this platform inside and out. And I found the the, the tool, I found the software very intimidating at the time. Um, I remember being like, geez, this guy, like... <laughs> you know, because because remember back then, and I do think, you know, this is probably the difference between demand gen and marketing ops right here. But back then, especially, like to 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 really put that product to use, you had to be pretty technical. Like you had Absolutely. to have some like developer level skills. Yeah. No, it was a very I for, I forget who used this analogy with me or someone said it to me. It might have been it was probably someone on the marketing team and it, it, it was probably right before Eloqua 10 Eloqua nine, or I don't know why we, we, why did we call it Eloqua nine? I don't know. Cause it came before 10, Mike, oh you know, my God. That was it. <laughs> um, anyway, so Eloqua nine was the way. Oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. That's I what we call it. Ryan too. Oh, Ryan. Yeah. Um, Eloqua 9 was a marketing automation platform built and designed by engineers. A hundred percent. Not built by engineers and designed by marketers, which I know 10 was meant to kind of do that complete 180 and like 
how does the marketer think when they're building stuff? I remember sitting with like you and Jen Horton and yep. Matt Grantham and like just Steven Strike and all these people trying to like reimagine like how can we keep the power of Eloqua? Like, cause the like the database side of Eloqua, sure. I still think is probably unmatched. Yeah. In a lot yep. Yeah. Um, but it had to be, I mean, you know, and if you think about Eloqua's trajectory, it's funny. Like I do think at the beginning, they were kind of the only game in town and they yep. were really the enterprise solution because they, it was a really powerful tool that could do a lot, but it did take having people who didn't look exactly like marketers yep. to be on the team to really get used. And, and if you think about it, I mean, that was back in the days where I think Eloqua started to run into some trouble with churn. I think Marketo became this competitive threat overnight and not, and I, I remember going, you know, I, I, I always say like, you know, my time at Eloqua, I, I feel so lucky that I was there when I was, cause it was just like a master class in like doing things right. Absolutely. Uh, you know, like when we started to lose instead of, and cause I've now worked in a couple of companies where competitive threats weren't taken seriously, or we start to lose or we're churning a lot. And like, there's no real decisive action. And, you know, Joe Payne and Alex Schutman, it was like, we're going to turn this thing around. And obviously re replatforming the product and moving everyone to Eloqua 10 was, I think the, the key, like that yeah. had to happen, yeah. but we like knocked down every part we had this uh, easy to do business with initiative. It was like, how do we make the sales process easier? How do we make the contract easier? You know, how do we ensure that people are having a good implement? That was where fast start came smart, from. Smart start. Smart start, smart start. Yeah. <laughs> so I, they just like, I think they did so many smart things yep. and it was like, it was all execution. It wasn't just like big ideas. It was like, we're going to break these down into small pieces and we're going to go attack each part of this problem. And so it was a really cool thing to watch because I really do, now that I've been through it a few times, things could have ended really differently for Eloqua. Oh my God, yeah. I remember- Could have ended badly, yeah. I remember when I joined Eloqua and I, mind you, I was, I think I was 24. I had just come out of, come out of college. And I remember talking to my dad about like, hey, I got this opportunity to have like my first- like career job, like where I have a salary, I have benefits, I get options and all this sort of stuff. And he's just like, that may sound great, but this company might not even be around in two years. For sure. Like, and it's, and I, and I just didn't have that concept like th that I do now. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah. you, you don't look at it as like a risk, but you look at it as just like, this could turn into something really, really cool. And I, I mean, the people that we had the opportunity to work with yeah. at that point too, like, yeah. like you said it perfectly, we had it, like it was a masterclass in like just working with some of the best minds in the industry, oh, yeah. I think today. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's, it's so funny. I mean, again, like it's, it was such a formative experience for everyone who worked there and, you know, you still talk to people who were there in the beginning and the early days. And it's like, everyone still associates as an eloquent, like that as a part yeah. of your identity. I think the other thing that Eloqua got really right um, was just culture. And it was yeah. like how we worked and how we operated. It was like a very special place. And I think so much of that, and again, now being an executive and leading teams and being part of executive teams, like, and I've, I've seen good, bad and all kinds of things, but like the, the executive team was, was really great. And they, yeah. they really took seriously their role as like culture carriers and like that, that, you know, it wasn't just getting wasn't just getting it done. It was doing it right. Like that became our sort of everyone's mantra and it, it really did permeate everything. Um, and it's funny, like I, after Eloqua, I went and built a demand gen team at a, another, a very early stage MarTech company in the predictive analytics space. And, you know, that was, at that point, Alec was not too far in the rear view mirror. So I still talked about it a lot and I referenced it a lot because it was a big point of reference for me. And yep. one of the one of my employees at one point was like, Yeah, yeah, Alec, well, the place where it never rained. And I always like <laughs> I always remember that. I was like, that's so funny. Cause I think I I have I have held on to it and I do think of it very fondly and I do refer back to it very frequently. Um I then went on to go lead marketing at another Toronto base. Company, <laughs> so obviously and I stayed very you know in super close touch with Steve and Paul and I did some work with Nudge after I I left and um you know the Eloqua the Eloqua roots run pretty deep I think for most people who were who were there. Like even like you and I also worked together at Path Factory. Yes, and, yes, or Lookbook HQ as it Lookbook HQ. Yeah. Um, 
and there would there was a there was a group of us that all worked together at Eloqua that now worked at Path Factory. Yes. And I remember people, I don't know if people looked at that as like a positive or a negative, but it was just, I think we were all trying to chase that Eloqua 2.0. We were all chasing that's exactly right. I said it a million times. Like I was forever chasing that great culture and that feeling of like you're a part of a team and you're building something special and you and you sort of had conviction about that and i will say path factory is the closest i ever got to that after mm-hmm. eloqua i think we built a really great business there and i think we had really great culture and i think we had a you know a good executive team and you know made smart decisions and and you know it's funny cuz i think uh i mean i joined path factory and again, I was, I was chasing that for sure. I joined Path Factory when they were very early stage, like really early stage. And I remember like, like I took a pay cut. Uh, I was going to be the first American to work there. I was going to be the first and only remote employee. And I was going to lead marketing. And I had this like really scrappy team and everybody was a contractor and I didn't have full-time staff and blah, blah. But again, like I saw in that business and in the the earnestness of the founders, the conviction that they had that they were doing something important. And of course, as a marketer, it was marketing technology. I was really impressed with this product that they had built that I thought was like, oh, that's a good idea. Like people kind of need that thing. Um, but I remember it was a risky decision. My husband thought I was nuts. You know, we had a little kid at the time. I was going to get into this crazy commuting situation. And, uh, and I remember I went and I I I saw one of the founders of Eloqua, I think at like Serious Decisions. And I was like, hey, I'm thinking about this. And I remember he just said, really? That thing, Lookbook HQ? And he was like, that's like a feature. That's what he said. That's a feature. He thought it was like a feature of something else, like not an actual thing unto itself. Yeah. Um, and and I'm really glad I took the risk because it ended up being a great run, four years, great growth. They had a pretty decent exit like, two yep. years ago. And I'm really proud of everything I did there. I rebranded that company. That was the sort of the thing I've hung my hat on for a while now because it was a huge project and a massive undertaking. And I had built an incredible team of people who I'm still very close with. Some of them have come on to work for me in other places. So it was the, I think the you know, it, it wasn't the, we didn't sort of the heights that Eloqua did. I mean, they had nearly a billion dollar exit, which was kind of unheard of at the time and great valuation and, and all that stuff. But we had a pretty good run at Path Factory. And I think we built something pretty cool and pretty special there. Yeah. And I, I, you kind of hit it on with the culture too. Like I think both Nick and Mark always had culture like in the forefront of everything. Like when I met with them before I joined, um, I just knew like after sitting down and talking with them and hearing their conviction about what they were talking about and actually just for like the first time I sat down with them, we didn't even talk business. We just talked. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So much about who you are as a person and what you care about, what you're in. Yeah, totally. And then that's what what makes good culture is like, yeah, yeah. People continually get this wrong. It's shocking. It hundred percent agree. And I knew after talking with them, even without even understanding the role, because the role that I took, which was director of solutions, yep. didn't exist yet. Oh, it wasn't a thing yet. No. Or it, well, it kind of existed, but not formally the way that it turned into. And hearing Mark's vision of what he wanted, he's like, I want to be the best professional services shop in Toronto. Yeah. Or yeah. like in, in MarTech. And yeah. like that for me was just like, I've got to hire really really good people who understand martech in general and i was fortunate enough to and we had already had a great people on the team yep. as well like it was such a cool opportunity to just to, to build something like that was my first opportunity to build something from the ground up yeah yeah, yeah, the yeah. same same and it's actually i mean in large part that's why i took that job because i had at that point I'd been, you know, working in demand gen and, and building and running demand gen teams. I mean, yep. I had built a team at Lattice Engines and hired everybody and built all the process and done all the stuff. And so I like kind of had checked that box. I knew I could do it. But again, like prior to Eloqua, like I had been, you know, I always kind of thought of myself as more of a right brain marketer. And it wasn't until I got to Eloqua that I was like, oh, I can flex the left side too. Like, yeah. and I, that's what I always loved about whatever we call it now, revenue marketing, performance marketing, demand gen, whatever, growth marketing. Um, I love the union of those two things that like you still have to be a good marketer and you have to you have to care about the psychology of of how to sell to people and and how people buy and all those things and how to build a market and how to generate awareness but I love marrying that up with that left brain discipline around, but the process matters and like the the backbone and the technology matters and all all of that stuff. And so, you know, I 
I kind of felt like I was at that point in my career where I could have like I could have if I hadn't went gone to Path Factory, I put have probably would have gone on to just like be a demand gen marketer. I would have gone yeah. and ran, ran a demand team somewhere. And the fact that those guys were willing to take this risk on me and let me run all of marketing was a big part of why I did it because I I wanted that shot and I knew yeah. I needed to probably go pretty early stage to get it. Um, and the thing that was cool, it's like a little bit about what what you said. So Mark, Mark Opowski, uh, and Nick Edward, who were the, the co-founders of Path Factory. The company was called Lookbook HQ when we joined and we rebranded after probably two years, which I still think was the best Absolutely. the best decision ever yes, made. Agreed. Um, but they like were so, and this is what I've come to. It's funny, like it really, it's amazing how <clears throat> those some of those early career experiences really color everything you do after. Like when I think now about <clears throat> what I'm always looking for in a job, what I'm looking for in a boss or like a company, so much of it comes from those those good experiences that I had. I think the thing that was, especially Mark, Mark was always very clear about what he was trying to accomplish. It wasn't just like live to, you know, live to see another day. And like, yeah. it was like, you know, his point of view. Now, when I joined that company, I remember going up to Toronto and they've got like a bunch of BDRs sitting in a room at that, in that dodgy, you know, that building, you know, that we, the, <laughs> the dodgy corner right. there. With the, yeah. With the dodgy McDonald's. And, but they were, I mean, they were in this tiny little office and they were all on this one floor. And honestly, like I should have run screaming from the building at that point. Um, but they had like, all these BDRs were just basically like, they didn't have phone books out, but they might as well. Like they were basically like, oh, we're going to try to sell this to anyone who's got marketing automation. And so they've got like Eloqua customer lists and they're just like calling down. Like that was what, that was how they were building that business at the time. It was hundred percent outbound. Yep. They had done a, they had sponsored a few, you know, events like Eloqua, Marketo events, and they'd come back with a list and they'd call all those people. And so it was so rudimentary. I mean, marketing was just like in its infancy, but Mark had all this conviction and really believed that this this could and would and should be a really marketing driven business. Yep. And so like that was the and I now I'm always looking for that. Like when I'm interviewing, I'm very suspicious of a CEO or a founder that like doesn't hold marketing in the right regard, that doesn't believe it is really central to growth, that maybe does is skeptical that it is like a revenue function. Um, and, and I know that it's possible to find those businesses cause I've now worked in several of them, but a lot of that came from just like, you know, Mark had this belief. They hired me to lead marketing probably 18 months before we even considered hiring ahead of sales. Um, and what was so cool about it for me and the, the thing I kind of miss about that stage business is like go to market was completely up for grabs. Like how we did this, how we yeah. took this product to market, how, you know, sales and marketing work together, what that, like all of that stuff was up for grabs. And so it wasn't just that I got to run marketing, which I did get to do, but I got to like be a key architect of like how we built the company. And that part was really, really satisfying for me. And I think that's, that's the thing now when I, you know, I was chasing culture for a long time. Now I'm chasing that. It's like, and unfortunately it's tough. You get to this point in your career where you're like, well, to do that, you got to go to a really early stage business. And that gets harder, I think, as you get older, but that's the thing that I think was really fun about that. And I and I think everybody played a role in that. I think you talk about you building out the solutions consulting group and that practice. And like, that was a key part of like how we were building that company. So you yep. got a piece of it too, you know? Yeah, yeah. no, it was a really, it, it, like I, you said it earlier, like Eloqua and Path Factory were both like very formative experiences for me. And I've always, and now out of my own now, I I don't chase that the same way, but I chase I chase similar feelings that I had sure. working like great clients, like great engagements, great yes, projects. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you mentioned a little bit about kind of folks that have kind of helped you in your career. We talked about Mark, we talked about Nick, we talked about Alex and Joe, and some of the early folks oh, yeah. at 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 Eloqua as well. Are there any other folks that have really kind of helped? you propel yourself to where you are now because oh, yeah. it's pretty crazy that's just to see like a lot like we all worked together when we were so young and now oh, yeah. we're all at this point where it's like hey we've all kind of made it a little bit like it's pretty yeah. cool who are yeah. some of the folks that really helped you kind of go, go along that path we're getting there we're getting there mike um i mean so many people and it's all those people who had faith in me and who like gave me an opportunity i the first person i always have to mention is brian carden so yeah. brian carden was the cmo at eloqua when i got there 
Uh, he then went and became the CMO at a early stage MarTech startup called Lattice Engines. He hired me there like like no brainer. He was like, yes, please come work here and gave me the keys. Brian has had such an influence in the type of leader that I am. Yeah. Brian's thing, his strategy was always like hire people who are great at their respective disciplines and then really trust them to to do those jobs and don't tell them what to do. And, you know, you're, he always kind of said, my job is to remove obstacles. It's to like help you remove friction from your job. But it's not to do your job because you're better at that job than I am. And yep. so, and I have absolutely become that kind of leader that I am not intimidated by someone who knows more about something than I, I'm like, yes, I need someone who knows more about that because that's not what I'm great at, Right. Um, and so Brian was a huge, has been a huge part of my career. In fact, I just talked to him earlier this week because I'm at, oh. you know, a little career council. That's the first person what? I call. He actually came up uh, this summer, Brian, it's a, it's a funny thing uh, for, you know, I worked for Brian for a long time and uh, I used to hear him sometimes on Friday afternoon and he'd be booking a tennis court and, you know, he's played tennis is like his whole life and his kids play tennis. And I always thought that was so cool. I was like, I'm kind of envious of this guy. He's like going to slink off on Friday afternoon, go play some tennis. And, you know, and I had never played tennis. And then a couple of years ago, I took up tennis because so I've taken a lot from Brian. Now I'm a very competitive tennis player and I play tennis all the time. And actually, the last time I saw Brian in, in person, he came up to visit me up here on the North Shore. He lives down near Boston. I live up on, on the North Shore. We played tennis together. Nice. Went out for lunch. Like he's, yeah. So I, I mean, he's a, he's been a big part of my life for a long time. Um, I, I, after I left Eloqua, went to Lattice Engine, spent about two years doing that, went to Path Factory. And then when Path Factory ended, which I probably would have stayed there for the rest of my life had it not ended, um, I then went to work for him at Envision. He had become the CMO of Envision. I went over there. I built a growth marketing team. The first role where I I ever had to try to transform something. Yep. You know, again, I had spent a lot of time in earlier stage companies where you're like building something from scratch. There's not a lot established. So you kind of like have free reign. Uh, going to Envision was like, hey, we look like this. We've got 85 people in marketing and we're mostly, it's mostly brand and comms and documentary films. And we're not so good at like revenue marketing and performance marketing. And so we really need to kind of shift the focus of marketing to get a little bit more deliberate around pipeline creation. And uh, and so I, I went and I built a growth marketing team there, uh, which was a really interesting experience and much later stage business. Uh, and then I took over for Brian when he left Envision and was, was the head of marketing there for a year uh, before I left there. So Brian has been a huge part of my, my career, my life. Um, Jim Williams, you know, again, yep. like Jim, snarky Jim Williams. Uh, <laughs> just, you know, I always, and I, I, I hope he never hears this, but I was, all, he's just a great marketer. Like he's got the, you know, it's so funny. He was always like this really technical guy. He knew that product inside and out. He was an early Eloqua customer. He had very high standards. He thought everybody should be able to, you know, replicate anything he had done. And, um, but he also was like super creative and just yep. would like come up with these great ideas and was always pushing the, the creativity. Um, so I, he, I, I learned a lot from him in the, in the relatively short time that I worked for him, Doug Seacrest, uh, yep best demand marketer I've ever had the pleasure of knowing. And I've stayed in touch with him. I worked for him for two years at Eloqua and he was like this mad scientist. Like that's where I really got exposed to like demand modeling and the math and the science and the like discipline around that. And it was funny. Like I don't, I think about it now. I was always trying to like be like Doug and I realized like, well, I'll never be like Doug. Like that's not the kind of marketer I am, but I, I absorbed as much as I could. And I learned a lot from that experience. Um, those are the big ones. You know, I think th those guys ha had a, a massive impact on how I think about myself in terms of like what I'm good at, what I, how I sort of position myself. And then also what kind of, kind of leader I am. Um, you know, I take very seriously my role in, leading teams and mentoring people. And I've yep. come to realize that like, you know, my success is a hundred percent tied up in how happy and engaged and excited my team is. And so I've like become kind of obsessed with that whole idea. Um, but, uh, and Paul Tashima too. I mean, Paul Tashima has been a great, uh, like a great counsel for me, yep. you know? Um, and I still, every once in a while, bounce something off him if I, if I, you know, need, need advice. So it's funny and thinking about it, it's like, no women. I don't know where, where are the ladies at? <laughs> um, as I, 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 it's funny. I've like, I think about it and maybe it's just, again, like the situations I found myself in, but I have been 
the lone female on many a team, um, yep. or the like lone female executive or so, I mean, that's probably part of why, but, uh, yes, mostly, mostly men have been instrumental in helping me <laughs> career, I guess. <laughs> At least they're all really great people. They're good. Like, they're good people. That's, yeah. that's, I think the best thing. And, and a bunch of them are Canadian. You know how I feel about it. I'm you know, an honor. Canadian. Canadians. I love a Canadian. Canadians. Well, it's, it's funny though, actually. And I have to, I have to say this to people sometimes like it really, you know, most Americans, if they haven't had tons of experience with with Canada or Canadian businesses or Canadian founders, like you just kind of like, oh, it's America Junior up there, you know, it's a little Canada attached to attached to the U.S. It is absolutely not like the Canada is so culturally different than the U.S., like so culturally different. And I have especially when you're talking about how businesses are built and run, um, how how companies think about growth, um, like the 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 cultural differences in the businesses I've worked in that were out of Canada and the ones in the U.S. It's stark, to be honest with you. And I I have found I really like a Canadian sensibility. I think you know in the U.S. I think the market is starting to change over the past year. But like we've had this at least in tech, growth at any cost, throw money and bodies at problems. Just try to grow, 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 because that's what's going to help your valuation. And then I, but I think like that assumes that nothing ever changes and that like, you know, you never suddenly have a scary competitor come up and eat your lunch, like in the case of Envision and Figma, or, you know, the market never falls out from underneath you and it becomes really hard to sell like it is right now. And so I've started to really, like, I've come to really value, and it's not just Canadian, but like, it's a sensibility that I think is like, let's have a sane approach to how we grow. Let's protect the business. Let's not mortgage the future and assume it was always going to be, you know, we're going to be doubling every year. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's proved to me that it's possible to build a really valuable high growth business without feeling like you need to quadruple your staff every year and, you know, spend billions of dollars on marketing. So I, it's definitely, that has been, uh, touchstone for me. Like now when I look at roles and I think about roles and I think about where I'm, I mean, I, when I was interviewing for jobs last year, I'll, I got kicked out of a whole bunch of interview processes because I'd, I'd be like doing the math. I'm like, well, I think they just said they're like 10 million in ARR and their B round was like a hundred million. Like I'm starting to do the value. I'm like, ah, you're valued. Like your valuation's crazy. And that's a big hole to dig out of. And I've seen it go. And I know it can work. I know it can work. I've seen businesses have that have done it. But it can also not work, um, and it certainly doesn't protect you. And no. so I, I got really fussy about like I want to work for a business that has a shot at success and longevity. Um, that you know isn't 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 going to necessarily mortgage the future. And that's worked out pretty well for me. And um, you know, it's become an important part of how I think about the places I want to work. It's a I I think when it comes to Canadian business and I think Canadians in general, like we're much more conservative with risk to yeah. an extent. And, yes. and where I see that especially is on like being a tech guy, like on the tech side, like yeah. Eloqua was a Toronto based company. We had like zero Canadian customers for the longest time or like a small handful Oh, yeah. Everything was in California. Everything was in Massachusetts. Everything was in Georgia, like New York. Like just the idea of like people wanting to try something new, just it's a lot slower up here. For sure. Like, yes, for it's sure. It's not necessarily a bad thing, oh. but I think to your point, it from a business, from a running a business standpoint, you don't see as many companies do like these big massive rounds where it's like, you're never going to achieve what that is. Like, no not going to happen like there's a lot more it's a hedging right like i mean i guess like the the idea is like well if you don't take the big swing you can't drive the big growth and that might actually be there's truth in that like it is hard when you aren't super well capitalized to again like hire a big staff and more sales people and ignite this marketing engine and but it's like but that doesn't mean 
you can't have great growth. It just means like the growth might be a little slower and a little more steady. And like, maybe that's okay. So, I mean, again, you think about venture capital and sort of how that all works. And like, there is this assumption that a lot of these investments won't pan out. And yeah. so like, and I, I think about that a lot. I'm like, well, they really only need a couple of these things to work out. And a few of them will, yep. but a lot of them won't. A lot of them won't. And so, you know, I like, again, for me, from where I sit at this point in my life, I'd much rather you know, work in a business that, yes, is concerned with growth and wants to grow as fast as possible, but also doesn't believe the only way to do that is to like take a massive swing. And I mean, I, you know, in the past 12 months, I've laid off 60 people in oh. two different businesses. And like, you know, and I, I mean, that's a sign of the times. And that's like, uh, again, I think there's a market correction happening here, but like, you know, can you, can you build a business that protects itself? So maybe that's not necessary or so that, you know, maybe if it is necessary, it's not that material. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's not a thing you want to get good at. No. And it's a thing that I've now been through more times than I'd like to, to think about. Um, and that has shaped me and my career for sure in terms of how I think about things. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. It's been a, I've even with my, like my customer base, I've seen, I, probably about half of my customers had major layoffs. Tough year. Um, it's been a tough year. It's, it's I think it's anyone right now, I, I mean, really where you see it is like, it's anyone who sells into the tech market. Yeah. Like if the, if your main base of customers is in, in software, like any, like tech is really where, I mean, I think if you're, you know, if you're a healthcare, like there's some pockets of places that are probably not getting quite as beat up. But uh, I mean, I think it's been, it's been a tough, it's been a tough, and I, I, it's funny it, in some ways it's kind of soothing. Like I've talked to a lot. I actually talked to a former Eloqua person the other day who was just like, Oh my God, like it's just slogging it out, you know? Yeah. And I was like, that makes me feel better. Like, it's not just me. Yeah. This has been hard. It's hard to, you know, especially having come out of earlier stage businesses that were growing faster. And like, you kind of almost every day feel like you put a point on the board. It's like, you made some leap forward, you know, you, you, you're, you're building on it. It's growing. It like feels good. It feels fun to win. Like it really does. And so, you know, right now as a marketer, you, it's tough to feel like, I know I'm doing all the right things. I pulled out every trick that I've got. I've done all the smart stuff and I have, you know, I've built a great team and I'm executing at the highest level. And yet we still just can't seem to like eke yeah. out a win. And it just starts to like, it feels like Groundhog Day. And it does. I really do. I th it's going to, it's going to bounce back, but it's been a tough year. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is definitely the first time in my career. Like you mentioned 2008 kind of being a down year. Um, I remember that a lot just with yeah. everything that's not, it wasn't as much in Canada as it was in the U S but like we it went was the riff at Eloqua and like, that was the yeah. first time in my career that I saw like a, a riff happen. And these last few years, just like, I think uh, everyone who works in tech knows someone that's been impacted in with oh, the of some way, shape or form. For sure. And for I sure. And I will. And I, you know, I mean, and I, and you see it both ways, right? Like I, again, like I've been through two pretty, pretty material riffs over the past year. And it's like, you're kind of damned if you do. And you're damned if you don't like the people who get laid off, it's terrifying. They know they're out of work in a tough market. And then the people who stay have all the survivor guilt. Absolutely. And of course, I'm always the executive who's the asshole who did all of these layoffs who, oh, I, and I, trust me, I see it and I read the glass door and I know all, and luckily I do think like, you know, the last layoff that I went through, I hadn't been in the organization for that long. So it was a lot of like, well, this person just shows up and lays everybody off. And I'm like, yeah. I take zero pleasure in this. This is not where I want to be or what I want to be doing. It is unfortunately a part of the job. Um, but it's, I think about, it's actually, it's kind of funny to reflect when I think about that 2007. So I graduated from college in 2000. I was coming into the workforce. I went to a, a it was like back then, like dot com bonanza. There was like, <laughs> kinds of little businesses. And this is like the beginning of this whole thing, right? Yep. I went to work for one of those. I had studied, I had a liberal arts degree. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had spent my co I worked, I went to Northeastern. So I co-opt. And so for four years, I'd actually worked in like a web development company, but it was like more on the project management side. And I wanted to like, I wanted to be part of the business side of things. And so my only option really was to take a sales job. And I took an entry level inside sales job. 
it was the most painful experience of my life for two years. I did this job that I hated, that I was terror. I was like an apologetic salesperson. I'd be like, hi, sorry to be bothering you right now. Like I just, <laughs> I just hate, I like, I'm just, I knew I was not wired for it. And, and like, and then I just watched everything just fold up. I mean, companies just closing their doors yeah. and like, I mean, it was crazy. And I, I, it was funny. And that, that company, I was there for two years and I kept surviving layoffs. And I was like, what you don't understand, I don't like it. And I'm not good at it. Like, let me go. Um, but you know, and I, I, so I eventually, I actually didn't get laid off. I eventually left and, and I took my first marketing job, but that whole period, I mean, that's 2000. I think it got real bad in like, you know, those kind of look back on like, when did the bubble really burst? Like there was a whole series of years there where it was like little cyclical because you had things starting a lot, but you had things yeah. ending a lot too. But yeah, I remember, I mean, to get laid off in the winter of 2008, to be an out of work marketer in that period of time was really terrifying. Like it was really, really scary. Um, and of course I was, you know, one of these people who I treated like looking for my next job, like a full-time job. Like I was yep. like very serious about it and very driven, but I was, it's crazy to look back on it and think like so many things happen by luck. I mean, so much of it is luck. You know, I have worked hard in my career and I pride myself in being good at what I do and being a student of it. And, but like, I've gotten lucky so many times and, and I, this is where I tell people like your network is so important. Those people oh who, you know, being good at what you do and making a good impression and making an impact in like, because you never know where like Brian Carden has been instrumental in my career, but like I've had employees who have walked me in to new opportunities because they really enjoyed working for me and they think, you know, that I'm, I'm good at what I do. And so like, I just think, you know, every, every connection that you have is potentially very important and sacred. And so, you know, yes, your reputation and the way that you conduct yourself is very important and keeping all those relationships intact is also very important. You know? That's that's how I started my business. Yep. Like I don't do a lot. I, I don't, there's very few people that I've worked with where I didn't know them or know someone who knew them beforehand. And that's just like a lot of like, you mentioned- I've hired you twice. I've hired you twice. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and I, but again, it goes back to like, Oh, if there were someone who could help us, I know who it is. And yes. like, you're at the top of my list because like, I've had experiences with you that were incredibly positive. I know you're incredibly capable. Uh, and I just like have complete confidence in you. So like, that's a persona you've cultivated, which has served you very well as you've gone out on your own, obviously. Yeah, no, well, like I, I always feel like, I always tell people, like I feel very lucky that I had the opportunity to start at Eloqua when I did, because that literally started my whole career to where I am now. Same. Um, Same. Yeah. But but you hit the nail on the head. Like I could have, I could have just done my job and been okay at it. And I would probably never talk to you again after that. Totally true. But like, we all sp- like we we spent time getting to know each other personally. We spent time learning how to communicate with each other. We spent time just showing each other how we can do the work together and being collaborative and all that sort of stuff. And that for me, I think has been the biggest thing that I I lean on now because it's just like it took me 17 years to start my own gig. That's yep. the way I look at it. And it took yep. me building relationships, yep. going through different experiences, all that sort of stuff. And You've been instrumental in it. You've again, you mentioned you've been a customer a couple of times, which has been yep. awesome. Yep. Um, I'm getting to work with some other ex-eloquent folks as well, other past customers. And it's awesome that like you can have these kind of gaps in terms of like when you see each other, maybe talk to each other, but you can come back, you can reconnect, and it's like like no time like. has passed. Yeah. I know you and I just recently saw each other in Boston at, at HubSpot's event and met up with a bunch of former eloquent people. Yep. I mean, I haven't seen some of those people in 10 years and it's like we just fall right back in yep. it's like we go right back to where we start and it's like that's yeah. awesome like that's it's... what what more could you could you hope for in life absolutely yeah. we're running up against time here because i've actually got a meeting in four minutes i'm sure you've probably got a meeting on your clock too okay. we mm-hmm. have to talk <laughs> we have to talk about music i know you love music. oh let's like, go like what what are you listening to these days are, are any concerts on your horizon 
what's kind of playing in your earbuds these days? I have been obsessively going to shows because I missed it so much during COVID and I go to a show and it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I'm like, I want this feeling all the time. Uh, so I recently went, I saw the Death Cab uh, Postal Ooh. Service reunion show. We actually have a local like dead cover band around me that I love and they're so fun and they rock out and we go see them any chance we get. Amazing. Uh, let's see. We saw, I've seen recently like LCD Sound System, I'm obsessed with Sylvanesso. Sylvanesso was here. Uh, Boston's got a couple of really cool new venues. Um, I, I love, I love that kind of like that backing like electronic sound with something kind of jammy or ethereal. Uh, I saw Mr. Bungle recently, which was pretty rad. Like it's like being, you know, it's like 19 again. Um <laughs> I don't discriminate. Like I love music. I am a, you know, we have a couple of boats here. We live on the North shore of Massachusetts. Our boat, our big boat's called friend of the devil. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a deadhead forever. And I always will be. Um, and I love that stuff, but, uh, we actually saw the final reunion tour of dead and company at Fenway park, which was like pretty great back in oh, June. Yeah. Um, but I like, I just love music and yeah. I love like, you know, I, it's funny. I have an 11 year old who's like into what other 11 year olds are into. And I'm constantly trying to like steer her in a better direction. I'm like, no, no, I hang on a second. Let me show you where this came from. Yes. Uh, I actually, I listen to, um, the smart list podcast, which I love. And if yep. you, if you haven't heard it, it's hysterical. And it's great, but I love it when they have, I listened to Eddie Vedder last night and it's just like, I just like, it's just so great. It's so great to hear about the, like, especially musicians, like their experiences and their lives are so interesting. And so I, I, I'm listen, I listen to anything. I literally, I listen. I mean, I, I will say, I'm going to say something super controversial. I don't particularly understand the Taylor Swift thing. Like I know everybody, I get it. Like I know that there's a really positive message there and it's great for girls. And I love the musically. I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, I don't know. Sure. I guess it's okay. I'm, I'm the yeah, I'm the same way. Oh, I I respect the shit out of her for what oh, yeah. she's been able to do. Hustle, and yeah. I I can appreciate her music. I just I it's not my cup of tea. It's not like I go and look for it per se. Yep. Yep. And if 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 you're a Swifty and that's all you want to listen to, more power to you. More power to you. Yep, totally. Yeah, I, I I'm of the same boat. I think like when I was a lot younger, I was a lot more narrow-headed with what i thought was like for sure music. of course and, yeah guys i've gotten older like you just you you build an appreciation just for the fact that someone's made something oh yeah 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 doesn't and matter it's, if it's on a computer or with a guitar yeah, or totally. a trumpet like yeah yep. took time to like create something that didn't exist before that's really rad yeah no i totally agree and i like forever and ever i mean i i say like lcd sound systems probably my favorite band ever i just think musically like they're just so interesting i actually listened to the arcade fire uh smartless podcast the other day and i love i love them actually i saw them last year and it was like an incredible show um i like music that is like layered and complicated and interesting and like i i love that stuff um but like I just love music. And I will say, I didn't realize how much I had missed going to a show and being in a crowd and dancing with abandon. And like, I really miss that. And the second that we were able to get back to that, I was, I was like, I'm greedy with this stuff. I was just chasing that feeling like, let's yep. go soon. Let's go. And I, we literally, we bought tickets to like a million shows. It was <laughs> um, but it's been really fun to get back to that. So, awesome. you know, it's good for your soul for sure. I, I can't live a life without music. It's, no, I know it, you and I are similar it, that way. Yeah. L thank so you. Fun. So, so fun. So fun. Yeah. And it was oh, great seeing you a few months ago back in Boston. I, I know that um, was fun. We'll definitely keep, well, we, we've, we've stayed in touch. We'll keep. Well, you know, I'm honored up the six. I'm a, I'm a big fan of yep. the GTA. Uh, <laughs> try to get, get back to the greater Toronto area anytime that I can. So I'm sure I'll be back there yes. before you know it. And uh, we'll never, we'll never be strangers. I don't no, think. We're never strangers. It's all good. Thanks again, Al. Really appreciate yeah, it. My pleasure. It was so nice chatting. Thank you so much to Elle for joining me this week. One sec. Just going to adjust the microphone. There we go. That one would...
like an interview per se. That was two two old friends catching up about the good old days and the marketing automation space and how we've been able to continue to kind of be collaborative together. I'm very fortunate that someone like Elle has tapped my shoulder a few times when it comes to providing services from 3MG. 3MG. Don't talk a lot. Of, yeah, never mind. Let's get back on track here. Uh, let's, let's talk about the music really quickly. I don't really feel like rambling this week, so I'm not going to, but I would be remiss if I did not speak about the music in this episode. It's fucking Nirvana. Nirvana. I, Nirvana was my Beatles in terms of of musical influence as I was growing up. That was my first real introduction to the idea of like alternative or grunge or more modern rock. I used to listen to things like Zeppelin and Hendrix and Sabbath and and bands like that. But Nirvana was kind of like the the gateway into me really embracing rock as my favorite type of music. And we start the episode with the most famous Nirvana song, Smells Like Teen Spirits. And we end the episode with my favorite Nirvana song on a plane off of the same album of Smells Like Teen Spirit, Nevermind. That's it. I, I I got nothing left in the tank this week. But we'll be back. I don't have any guests scheduled right now. So if you're interested in coming on to the podcast, let me know. Send me a DM on LinkedIn. Send me an email. Send me a letter. So when I walk to my bit my mailbox, it's it's something other than a bill. Anywho, have a great week. Or whenever you listen to this, have a great weekend, have a great day, have a great night, have a great morning. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.